sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk. And this episode of Blocked on Mizzou is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order. And you know what? Just for my own sanity at this point in life, I think I just have to say goodbye to Furrow Field for the year. Because you know what? I don't think the odds of any of us actually setting foot in that stadium is really very likely at this point. In fact, we better just hope and pray that we get football of any kind. Just settle for a nice gathering together, socially distanced and under 10 people, of course, right? But a gathering of people watching games at our home on TV. Because, yeah, Frofield, I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem like there's going to be any way forward for that. And with that in mind, later today I want to talk about what a fanless football experience might look like and how that could actually affect the game itself. And also, coming up after the wild success of my original segment called Project Run Play, well, I've got a new segment debuting for all of you today. But first, speaking of Faroe Field, I'm going to cross a barrier here that I wasn't really planning on crossing, but you know what? We weren't planning on COVID-19 and the NCAA tournament getting shut down, were we? And certainly we weren't planning on fanless football or even the possibility of postponing college football until the spring, like the Pac-12 in the Big Ten has. But in this world, in this world in which Missouri and various other programs across the country are going to be figuring out how to make up for a lot of lost revenue, millions and millions of dollars in lost revenue, in many cases, of course, depending on what ultimately ends up happening with this season. But with all that in mind, I think it's time for the University of Missouri Athletic Department to sell the naming rights of Mizzou Arena and Memorial Stadium. Now here's the deal. I would still call Memorial Stadium Faro Field. But you know what? I think Memorial Stadium has got to go for money purposes. We still have Memorial Union. That's not going anywhere. Believe me, that's not going anywhere. I'm not selling off the names to that thing. But my goodness, if we're gonna if we're really a big time college football program here, if we're gonna pay our coach four million dollars a year, if we're going to build this shiny new south end zone facility with the gigantic scoreboard, all this stuff, well, you're going to have to pay for it somehow. And we sure as heck have hit quite the bump in the road here in terms of revenue. So to me, it just makes all the sense in the world to allow whoever it might be. Maybe it's Maybe it'll be the Case IH Stadium. I, I don't know what it's going to be, but let there be a bidding war. There's definitely some people who would love to have their name attached to that. And frankly, Mizzou Arena. Now, there's the most generic name in the history of college sports, other than maybe, frankly, Memorial Stadium. I mean, how many Memorial Stadiums are there throughout the country? It's really amazing. Again, nothing against the people that obviously were being memorialized there. I'm not not crapping on them whatsoever. Tip of the cap to our troops and our veterans and the people who lost their lives in combat, all that good stuff. But come on, Memorial Stadium, we can do better than that, number one. 
And number two, if we can't do better, well, why not just completely sell out to the corporate man? We've basically done it in terms of college football anyway. Let's just take it a step further. And again, Mizzou Arena already made this decision 16 years ago to sell out, more or less, right? Obviously, the whole Page Sports Arena, well, that hit a bump in a, a bit of a bump in the road in terms of, well, a certain young lady and maybe her lack of academic integrity, let's put it that way. So if we've already sold out to the man, which we clearly did 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago with the naming of the Page Sports Arena, well, it's now been long enough. I think we can easily sell this thing off and call it the Case IH Arena or the State Farm Arena, whatever it might be. Heck, maybe even the Veterans United Arena. I could see that happening. It seems like the VU's buying up every other building in town, so why not the basketball arena too? And speaking of basketball, Zach Lowe of ESPN.com, he does a, I think, a weekly column on the NBA called his 10 things he likes and didn't like. So he won't nece- it won't necessarily be 10 of one, 10 or the other, but ju- just a mix of observations, basically. And, well, in this column today, he led with Michael Porter Jr., who is now averaging a cool 22 points on 55% shooting, 42% from three, and 93% from the free throw line. Now, that is just insanely efficient. And really, I mean, those are Stephen Curry-like efficiency numbers. Now, obviously, can he keep up that kind of efficiency throughout an entire season? Well, probably not at this point, but it just goes to show you what an absolutely gifted scorer that Michael Porter Jr. is. Isn't it great to see him healthy? I just think that it is. And, you know, some good stats from Mr. Lowe here. He says, Porter, about 76% of his shots have either been three-pointers or shots right at the basket. So either dunks, layups, that kind of deal. And also, according to tracking data, only 43 isolations for Michael Porter. And just for some some context there, Zach lists three or four NBA players that, frankly, I'm sure most of you have never even heard of, just for just for some context there. So, it's, so Porter's very much getting his offense – in the flow. He's not just, hey, give me the ball and clear out. So he's a very easy guy to play with. That's another good thing. And especially if you've got a teammate like Nikola Jokic, Denver center, who is an excellent passer. So I think Porter may be the perfect kind of offensive complement to Jokic. And, you know, just watch out for Denver in the coming years. That's all I'll say about that. And you know what? Since I'm talking about former Mizzou players who now reside in Denver, Well, I was creeping around on the Denver Broncos, one of their blogs, I believe on SBNation.com, and well, one of their commenters, one of the Denver Bronco commenters, had an interesting thought about what fanless football is going to be like, so I want to talk about that after the break, but first, I want to tell you guys about Built Bar. Yes, these guys are back with us on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we couldn't be happier to have them because... As a part of their usual dozen amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut varieties, they also have six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon, almond cheesecake, carrot cake. Oh, the list goes on and on over at Built Bar. They're all incredibly tasty, and most of all, just a really 
healthy option as far as treats goes. Yeah, it's not perfect, of course. It's a treat. But, you know, these bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. From my experience, definitely a great choice for that keto diet. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And while surprise lasts, you can get a free co- a free cooler with your purchase. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. So this Denver Broncos fan over on SB Nation said, I worry, though. Without real fans, quarterbacks are going to get blasted. Usually the crowd unintentionally warns quarterbacks when someone is about to hit them. Really? That was my reaction. Do quarterbacks, they, they, uninten- they get a verbal cue, a, a noise, an audible cue from the crowd as to when the pass rush is getting close and that tells them that's when they need to step up in the pocket or get rid of the ball? Really? I find that a little bit hard to believe. Um, honestly, I was thinking, don't most quarterbacks just have a kind of a clock in their head after it, you know, a three count or so? They realize, okay, I better get rid of the ball or I'm about to get hit here. I'd say that's more likely than the, I don't know, the, the crowd going, oh, and, and, and warning the quarterback about the pass rush. I found that to be a kind of a bizarre comment, but at least something I had never thought of. And, and I had to at least stop and consider it because, frankly, we don't know what any of this is going to look like. If there's going to be no fans in college football this season, well, how, I guess we don't need silent counts anymore either. You see, on the road, of course, if you were the, the road team in a hostile atmosphere, well, sometimes you couldn't do your hut hut, you know, your hard count because guess what? Your players couldn't hear it, and they're just as likely to – commit a false start penalty as you are to slow down the pass rush or get an offside. So now the home field advantage is basically out the window in terms of crowd noise. So you won't need silent counts. But then on the other side of the coin, this is something that people don't think about a lot. But really, while the crowd noise is certainly affecting the road team's offense, well, doesn't it affect the home team's defense too? Because I would think if I'm Nick Bolton, if I'm in charge of the defense, getting everybody set, I'm trying to get some last-minute signals or adjustments in. Maybe I want to change the coverage slightly, get somebody else to blitz. Whatever my responsibilities happen to be, isn't crowd noise going to affect that too? So I would just think that, first of all, we would hopefully this will be a benefit. Hopefully we'll see far fewer penalties in college football this year. And I mean just the... The, of the false start, delay of game, offsides, you know, procedure where you can't get the play in in time. Maybe we'll just see a lot less of that. Frankly, I won't, I won't miss that, so that'll be a plus right there. I'm also wondering if it's possible that we see even more up-tempo offense than what we've seen the last few years. Now, you might be asking, how could we possibly be even more up-tempo than college football has become already. Well, again, without any difficulty communicating with your players, if anything, you're going to have to have more dummy counts because everybody's going to be able to hear everything. So if anything, you're going to have to do more just nonsense calls at the line of scrimmage, nonsense signals, 
you know, maybe you change up. Maybe in the past, if you had four coaches signaling and you changed them up once a quarter, heck, maybe you change it up every series now. I don't know. It's just there's going to be a lot more stealing of signs. So if the Houston Astros were in the NCAA, they'd be they'd be the favorites. That's for sure. Ah, that was a cheap joke. I had to do it though. But seriously though, this is going to change the way that teams have to disguise everything. Really, there's just going to be so much more dummy stuff. Just a lot more sign stealing. And I, frankly, I just think there's going to be more up-tempo football. I think offenses are going to decide, you know what? Communication is even easier. Let's just go. Let's just go fast. Let's not let these defenses get set. I think that's something that could possibly happen. Now, if you follow me on Twitter over at Locked On Mizzou, you may have saw me get into a back and forth with Seth Kaiser, who's one of my favorite Chiefs riders, that's for sure. And Well, the thing that we disagreed about was it sounds like the NFL is very much looking at what happens with college football with deep interests because they're certainly intrigued by the idea of having that Saturday television real estate with the potential absence of college football. In other words, you might see half of the games that would have been played on Sunday or maybe just two or three maybe prime games put on Saturdays. And of course, Seth being the uber NFL film watcher, digester, just football nerd in general is all about this. He's going, yes, more NFL football for me to watch. And great. I'm sure he feels that way. No problem. I push back on that a little bit, that this would somehow be some awesome thing because, well, obviously, number one, we're we're missing college football. That's That's a terrible outcome, first of all. But second of all, just from an NFL fan's perspective, as somebody who does purchase NFL Sunday ticket just about every year, I'm sorry, I'd rather just cram all that stuff into Sundays. I've got a, most people have one or have multiple TVs at this point. A lot of people do. Or you have a second screen, you're watching on your phone, your iPad, whatever it might be. I think we're all pretty good at multitasking these days. Almost to the point where just one game on at a time is almost a little bit boring. I hate to say it. If it's a bad game anyway, let's put it that way. But if you give me multiple bad games on at the same time, well, now I'm in football nirvana. That's all I really need. But to me, I just, I'd be really worried. If I were in that room with the NFL offices, I'd be cautioning them to not take every single Saturday of the season. 17 weeks of Saturday football, to me, would just be overkill. Like, I just think more is not always better. And I think Major League Baseball has learned this lesson over the years. Because guess what? Back in the day, I used to watch ESPN Sunday Night Baseball pretty frequently. But now, in a world where the Kansas City Royals, my favorite team, or every single one of their regular season games, or 95% of them anyway, are televised. And then if I want to get my National League fix, well, the Cardinals, every single one of their games is on too. So, in that world... All these Royals fans and Cardinals fans and Yankees fans and fans of their teams throughout the country are all satiated with baseball. How many of us have enough time or enough interest in baseball to go out and watch that national weekly game? I mean, Sunday night baseball is just, it's a zero now in terms of national interest. 
people watch it if their team's in it, but in terms of, oh, I'm just going to casually watch this baseball game on Sunday night, that's dead. And if you're the NFL, be really worried about diminishing the specialness of Sunday football. Really worry about that because Sundays has been what the NFL's always been about. And frankly, if, if you're going to take even more games away from Sunday than you already have, we've already taken the Thursday games away. We've taken the Sunday night game away, the Monday night. You know, to some extent that's fine, but at a certain point you're going to diminish Sunday too far. And that would be my worry. And also, frankly, you know, some of us, have children. I know Seth Kaiser does too. Apparently his wife is more understanding of two straight days of 10 hours of football. I can get away with one of those days on Sunday. I'm not sure I can get away with those on a Saturday too because while yes, I would watch Mizzou football, that's a much different thing. That's a a family, friend, sort of get-together type deal. And it's not just the pure football nerddom to which I just completely dive into on my Sundays. I just don't want my Sundays to get messed up. So that's basically my point there. I hope I made it well. Now I am still going to debut this brand new and sure-to-be crowd-pleasing segment. But first, I do want to tell you again about rockauto.com. You see, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules to brake lights to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet for your interior. So whether it's for that classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com About 15 years ago, when I first got in to the whole stock market game, the day trading game, well, one thing I realized quickly is there is a lot of inside jargon in the financial world that is frankly used to, I believe, intimidate sort of your regular customer into believing that, oh man, all of this is just way beyond my knowledge and I just need to trust these guys with my money because by golly, they know all this jargon and all this inside information that I could never possibly understand. And by the way, mechanics pull this kind of stuff all the time, in my humble opinion, car dealerships, that kind of thing which is all the more reason to go to rockauto.com, by the way. But in that vein, in that spirit, today I'm going to debut a new segment trying to inform the college football nation, and I'm going to call it Gridiron Glossary. Now, for years, when three linebackers on the field was generally your base defense Well, for years, you would hear those three linebacker positions called the Sam, the Mike, and the Will. Now, what in the world does that mean? Again, one of these classic things where they sort of make make something more complicated than it really needs to be. Well, the Mike linebacker was the middle linebacker, the guy in the middle of the three people. Simple enough, right? 
Well, the Sam, well, he was the strong side linebacker. Now, if you think about an offensive line, you've got five people. So an even amount of people are to the left of the center. There's two guys to the left of the center, two guys to the right of the center. But if you throw in a tight end, now you have a strong side and a weak side of the formation. Now, the strong side is, of course, the side where there's three guys to the side of the center, whereas the weak side is there will be two guys to the side of the center. So that's where the strong side linebacker would always line up on the side with the most guys. And then the weak side linebacker, of course, would line up on the opposite side. But Missouri in these day and age is like most teams in college football, frankly. Their base defense is not three linebackers anymore. No, they just go with two linebackers, and we've added a third safety. So what now, what used to be referred to as the strong safety, well, it's now much more of, really it's more accurate to call these two players the field and the boundary. Now, what does that mean? Now, while traditionally, again, the strong safety, just like the strong side linebacker, would line up on the strong side of the field, on the side with the tight end, more than likely. But at least partially, because of the proliferation of up-tempo offenses, teams aren't waiting to find out which side, which, how the offense lines up, and then trying to figure out, maybe somewhat late, which side is strong and which one isn't. And by the way, these teams can, you can change the strong side too, you can take your tight end and put him in motion after you've already lined up. So then the defense then has to make another adjustment to the motion. But instead of doing that, instead of lining up guys based on their strong side and their weak side, it seems like much more, and certainly this is true of Ryan Walter's defense, now we're lining up based on, again, the boundary and the field. Well, what does that mean? You see, in college football, the hash marks are much wider than they are in the NFL. So if a guy runs out of bounds on the left side, for instance, well, the ball is then snapped from that left hash. And because there's so much more real estate, so much more space between those hash marks in college, it makes a big difference on whether you run the play to the boundary side, as we call it, which is just really the short side of the field. Or do you run the play to the field side, which is really just the wider side of the field? There's way more real estate. Again, if you think about it, again, if you're on the extreme left of the hash mark where the ball's being snapped, the field side, which is the more wide open part, well, you've got a lot more ground to cover. You may, like as a corner or as a safety, you may need to be better, a little bit faster, better in coverage and maybe have a little bit more speed to make up for maybe a jet sweep that's coming to that that wide-open field side. So again, just something to keep in mind, just something to notice maybe, that guys, if they're going to switch sides of the field because maybe, again, they were on the left side, now the play is run, the next play is run out of bounds to the right side, well, that, that boundary safety is going to immediately know, okay, I need to run over to the other side. He doesn't need to wait and see how the offense is going to line up. He simply just knows, all right, I need to be on the short side of the field no matter what. So they don't even really need to talk about it. They just line up every time. So 
Hope you've enjoyed this edition of Gridiron Glossary. I hope I've ab- I hope I was able to clarify those somewhat insider football terms for you. Again, usually this stuff is overcomplicated, so my goal is just to simplify and clarify things as much as possible in this segment. So, well, hopefully we'll do another one of these sometime soon. But until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou. Thank you.